0: We've seen our way around the country and finally we're on our way back to the Gabba with another good win to show for it. Today on the Raw Deal we take a look back at the game against the Giants featuring one of the all-time great goals from Charlie Cameron Uh, which I think might have been the most exciting thing to happen in Canberra since Questacon opened, Uh, and look ahead to a Saturday afternoon clash against a struggling Dockers side at home this weekend. One of Mike's colleagues over in Perth, uh, Nathan Schmuck from AFL.com.au, he's going to join us to preview the Freer match and let us know what's going on with their horror start to 2023. As we kick things off on the Royal Deal today, though, Mike, the question uh, on everyone's lips is, did Charlie mean it?
1: Yes. I think so too. I reckon he did too. I totally agree. I've said to a couple of people um, over the last day or two, even if there's doubt, the fact it was Charlie gets it over the line for me. He's so instinctive. He's got such great reflexes. I'm like, if anyone's gonna do that, it's it's Charlie, and I genuinely think he meant it. Oh, we've yeah. seen
0: him pull, like attempt some outlandish things before, and sometimes pull them off. But we've seen him try to soccer it through from the boundary on the, you know, on the, the balls on the deck, and he tries to kick it from the boundary and get it through. Most of the time, these miracle shots don't come off. But we've seen him attempt them enough to know that it is on his mind to give it a go. It is,
1: and his foot moved. That's enough yeah. for me. Yep. Like that showed that he was aware enough to flick it on, and you know what? But yeah, he he deserves the benefit of the doubt. That was a remarkable goal. A <laughs> goal incredible. of the year for you so far? Yeah, I think so. I, I think can't. I can't. Be. I can't think of any anything that's. Mm. Yeah, made me drop my jaw like that.
0: The only thing that was a shame was I feel like the commentary missed the moment a little bit. You always want with a
1: goal and mark yeah, and you I, had to capture it. It is, but I, I actually had a bit of sympathy for them because yes. it was hard to figure out what had happened. That's true. <laughs> I'll
0: give them that. It is hard. Yeah. It's one of those moments where I, you sort of realized a couple of seconds later yeah. what, what might have just gone down. And then there's almost shock rather than joy. It's like, wait, did that? Did we just did, see what we think d- we just saw?
1: Did he deviate the ball? I think I need to see a replay to see what happened there. And then, like you say, the moment's gone then.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we're going to jump into this game in a moment. But I, what we're seeing is we've started with the goal. It did make me think we should talk through the most memorable Lions goals that come straight to mind over the years, the ones that just instantly hit you. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Ash McGrath's got two, I reckon, the Miracle on Grass and also the Swans final in, I think it was 0-3, the yep. prelim, that he just uh, kicked one from 90 metres or something. Just, just kept- Bouncing through. through. <laughs> yeah. um, Polkinghorne's torp yep, I've thrown in there as a yep. classic. Zach Bailey after the siren. Um, Voss's monster drop punt.
1: That's the uh, one that just jumps into my mind first every yeah. time. I yeah, just yeah, can yeah. see this ball soaring, <laughs> soaring through uh, the air.
0: Remarkable. Basically, everything Jason Ackermanus kicked gets in there as well. The two from the pocket
1: against, against Geelong. Yeah. yeah.
0: And the one other that I'll throw out there, you might have one more to add, I don't know, but the one I'll throw into that as well um, is someone we don't often look back on fondly, but Fev, uh, (laughs) you've got to say Fev did have a great goal, that one that he was sitting on the ground in 2010. Do you remember this one?
1: Do you no, have any memory of this? I oh, no, you'll have, have to get and look up. Yeah.
0: So he's uh, it, my memory of the goal is he's genuinely sitting on the ground and sort of kicks <laughs> it over his shoulder. It was in it was in those great first four rounds where life was wonderful and
1: what a great month.
0: Oh, just if you as I've said on this podcast before, yeah. if if the world had ended after round four, <laughs> one of our last memories would have been as Lions fans, but we were going to win the flag, or you know it would have been well at least we got that amazing month of footy and but it, you know that month I like to sort of. Uh, close it in a bubble and just remember it for the good times and not worry about the, you know, decade almost of pain. (laughs) I think think Matthew Lloyd around that time said the Lions are in for a, a decade of pain after that, you know, after the fifth thing. And I remember a lot of Lions fans were like, what would he know?
1: Turns yeah. out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turns out he's well, it's close to that. Yeah. Any other was goals that come off? to mind
0: for you, or is that? that no, nah, there. The, if
1: you, yeah, if I had a bit of notice, even I would have. Yeah. I would no, I would have come up with. It would have been Voss yeah. Polkinghorn that and the ones after the siren. They yeah. are the goals that jump straight into mind for me. Do too. you
0: reckon Danaher against Richmond last year is up there or not? Not quite.
1: I get for the moment, yes. Yeah. Obviously, the finish was a dribble from two meters out, but yeah, but for the that will jump into our minds because of the fact that it. Brisbane over the line in a final. So, yeah, for a different reason, but yeah.
0: Well, look, we've got heaps to chat about today. Uh There's been a little bit of news circulating around the, the potential hunt for a replacement stadium mm. um, d- during the Gabba rebuild. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, I, on Sunday morning, woke up to a text from Dom Ambrosio, the Lions list manager, who's Go never Dom. texted me before. Surely he's listening. Well, I would think so. I mean, the fact he texted me... Makes me think he's he's kept up to date with the real yep. Deal. So I, I, I'll let you know what that text was a little bit later on as well. Um, if you're thinking maybe it's some saucy trade news, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if Dom Ambrosio just decided on a Sunday morning.
1: I'll tell Dom what's yeah, going on. Months
0: yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if, Dom Ambrosio, if you're listening and you want to do that, yeah, very happy to receive man. those texts. Feel free to. Uh, and also, obviously, as we mentioned off the top, Nathan Schmook's going to join us to chat. My man, Schmookie. Uh, all things Frio and their horror start to the year. Um, to begin with, though, Mike, a little bit of exciting news. We mentioned last week on the podcast uh, that we are doing our first ever live raw deal event. This is getting close. This is next Friday it's just night. Days away. I know. It's really it's yeah. rolled around quickly, hasn't it? it is. Um, we go to the Taylor's Bar in Moorland uh, to watch the Lions play Carlton, the Friday night match with Raw Deal listeners. We had 40 spots available, 50 bucks ahead to get some drinks, some food, watch the footy with us, hear a bit of us analysing at halftime and post game, And we had no idea when we set this up how it was going to go. And the news is like mid-late last week sold out. It's yeah, all done.
1: amazing, isn't it? It You're was. It was. Away, gonna, it? I was just thinking it was going to be fifty-five bucks ahead, but you have to listen to us talk, so we decided to bring it. <laughs> we decided to cut a few bucks off. That's the discount. <laughs> that's the discount. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So we're it, paid it's for amazing. That. Honestly, jokes aside, amazing, amazing yes. support, and it's still. We probably say it most weeks, but it does. It's still so humbling, and it blows you away. Yeah, to it think does. that there's so many people interested in just gathering together to watch footy really that's yeah. what it is isn't it like minded yeah. people getting together and having a having a great night watching the footy so mm. um, thought about what you're going to wear dom oh I haven't
0: <laughs> actually that's a good I'm not actually this this might surprise people um, but I'm not really a merch wearer when I go yeah. to games, I'll generally just dress, you know, what I'm wearing now, blue jeans, black t-shirt, pretty generic. That's about me. Yeah, be, I'll generally honest. wear that and, and I'll often have a Lions scarf and that's yeah. the extent of my, my merch. I mean, there were years when I was younger where I had a Guernsey on or mm. I went through a number of years where I would buy the Lions polo, but then I yeah. thought I'm, I'm starting to feel like a middle-aged man here, Dom. <laughs> You're 21, don't yeah. wear the polo to every game. <laughs> you don't have to get the annual media polo. Um, But but I think, I think these days I generally keep it pretty generic. But maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a game to have a bit more fun with it. Pop something was something
1: we- out. Uh, it's it weird that you said the jeans and the black shirt. That's sort of the type of clobber I'd wear as well. <laughs> yep. It'd be a bit weird if we wore the same thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> Imagine that.
0: Well, a good friend of mine, Dan, who I think listens to this podcast occasionally, um, Dan, a bunch of years ago, uh, for my 21st, so that's going back quite a while now, Dan um, organised for a group of, of my friends to chip in and get me one of the uh, the heritage Fitzroy Guernseys. Like, you know, the sweaters oh, yeah. you can get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I got one of those, which is pretty special. I'll generally, if I'm into state for a Lions game, I'll wear that along because, you know, if it's Cold cool. in Melbourne or, or Adelaide. Just bought my tickets to the Hawks game, by the way, in Melbourne, which I thought was going to be a safer win, but they seem to be getting a bit better. The Hawks, <laughs> yeah. which is really annoying. But anyway, <laughs> let's not worry about that for the moment. Uh, the thank you to everyone who has bought tickets. We can't wait to see you there and share that uh, that experience together. Um, to those who didn't weren't able to get along to this one, the good news is I think we can pretty safely say we'll be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact this has worked or Unless it's a complete <laughs> unmitigated disaster next Friday, which obviously won't happen, and unless Brisbane
1: lose and then we get blamed for it, well, because, <laughs> you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> the superstition. Yep, unless the superstition. that happens, uh, then yeah, we'll be doing this again, which is great. Um, and also to our patrons, I should mention we did put out a, a message on Facebook saying Jed Adcock was going to join us today and asking for questions. Uh, that's fallen through. No Jed. Um, it's a, it's been a weird day to take you behind the scenes on a guest front where it has. Initially, I texted Mike and said I'd love to, after Charlie's performance, get an insight into the Lions' Ford line. Let's get Jed on. You and then we we tried to get Jed on, and then you went, "Hang on, though. Jed doesn't <laughs>
1: coach the Ford." Hang on, right? I was writing all preseason that they've switched <laughs> roles, and then I proceeded to ask for Jed to talk about forwards anyway. So that was. Brilliant from me. (laughs) So I had to, you know, tail between my legs, go back to the Lions media guys and say, uh, oops, (laughs) Uh, I- we do on Jed, but we're happy to talk about the defence. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. And so we so we started pivoting our questions <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, we can talk defence, can't we? <laughs> yeah. Sure we can. And then after all of that, Jed had a scheduling problem anyway. Yeah. So, so it's all sort of, uh, it's been a bit of a messy day. Not our finest day with guests.
1: No, nah, I've had a shocker.
0: But yep. you know what? Um, And we promise you this on The Royal Deal every week. We're committed to excellence and we will go yep. away and review what's gone wrong today. <laughs> We will not be sweeping this one out of the car. I'll
1: tell you what I don't have to look too far to know what what went wrong. <laughs> I've got my hand high in the air. I it's, bought I made a balls up. It's a team uh, effort. Mike. Put my hand up and owned it and yeah. then and then unfortunately, yeah, Jed couldn't couldn't do it. We yeah, win together and we lose together. That's right. Eh? Yep.
0: Um, I, I don't know. Fags likes to give the team a mulligan every now and then. Do we get a mulligan for this one?
1: Mate, Schmucky's going to dominate, so it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it'll, true. it'll work out. Yeah, that's it'll work true. out good in the end.
0: <laughs> it absolutely will. Uh, so let's jump into this GWS game briefly before we give our votes. Um, and I think maybe the headline performance from me was that I was really quite impressed by the Giants. So um, was I. They, they, were, they, they looked like a seriously talented they football good team. good footy. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, because I think a lot of us went in expecting a bit of an easy um, win for the Lions or or thinking at least with how the Giants had played a lot of this year that that may be mm. on the cards. But uh, I, I thought the Lions were really strong and had to be.
1: It's interesting because sometimes we don't... We don't always, or we don't even often converse during games. To be yeah, honest, yeah. it'll be a post-match or a day after, or a couple of days, or maybe mm. occasionally it'll be when we rock up here. We don't, yeah, e- we yes. haven't even exchanged ideas. We
0: keep the magic for the post. We do.
1: It's a bit more organic that way sometimes, <laughs> rather than wasting our good stuff <laughs> over text.
0: <laughs> good stuff in inverted commas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that we think the same on this one because yes. I was watching the game thinking Brisbane's playing pretty well here. Yes, yeah. not perfect. There's things they can fix up. I get all of that. Um, and maybe I'm a little more. Uh, oh, maybe I was going to say I'm a bit glass half full when it comes to watching Brisbane. Generally, people that listening might beg to differ, but um, I am a bit glass half full with Brisbane's performance. And but I was watching this, trying to be critical, thinking no, they they've made. A, there's a few things they could be doing better. They could be a little bit tighter on a couple of those midfielders. There's things they could be. Mm. But generally, I thought they played pretty good footy. And GWS just wouldn't. Go away! I thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought a couple of times when Brisbane got out to five and six goals, a bit like last week against North, you thought, "Oh, okay, the floodgates are open here because they're playing good enough footy to generate more scores." And I thought, "Oh, they will run away with it." But GWS, mm. to their absolute credit, kept fighting back. And then I thought it a bit harder. I thought, you know, GWS have got a good team. They do. There is a lot of high quality proven players on that list. And it was
0: their stars largely. It was. Keeping them in a minute. It was Josh Kelly playing just an absolute blinder. And yep. I mean, Josh Kelly only a few years ago was being spoken about as someone who would likely end up as the best player in the comp. Yep. I remember there was one particular conversation that 360 did one night. It was Bont or Josh Kelly. Who would you pick? Amazing. You know, that, yeah. that's sort of who yep. he was when North were offering him a nine year contract and all of that was going down. Yep. He's he hasn't quite lived up to that in recent years, but that is the level of talent he has we know what Toby Green can do and he had a few moments where he you know was was very involved on the weekend as well and then we know that their key forwards are pretty good we know Sam Taylor's a gun and he was until he went down although I actually think that was one of the most impressive fight backs we've seen from Joe Danaher because he, early on, was being dominated by by Taylor and really worked his way into the game. And it's probably not something you associate with Joe a lot, having to work his way in. But but that is a talent-laden team, the Giants. And um, even Xavier O'Halloran, who uh, nearly joined the Lions a few years mm-hmm. ago. Do you remember that yeah. trade that trade period he was linked to the Lions? And suddenly, he's a goal-kicking burst midfielder.
1: Yeah, I know. And that, there's uh, Nick Haynes, Lockie Whitfield, yes. Steve Cornelio. Like, yeah. Proven players. And guys that, like to your point, played well on Saturday. Those more experienced guys did play well and i i think i was getting sucked into some of the commentary sometimes almost talking as if the giants were this 18 or 20 year old team yes. and just keep plugging away guys you're chipping away and you're learning things all the time and i thought hang on they're a pretty good team yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and they played really well so that's the really long way a- um, the long winded way of saying that I thought Brisbane were pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought I- they were good, and yeah, of course it'd be nicer to win by five goals or six or seven goals or whatever, but that's a a bit better than a workman like performance. Never really in any danger of losing. I agree. Always had the Giants at. At arm's length, but yeah, I thought it was a good performance.
0: I do hold, I mean, to speak slightly critically, I hold some concerns about the midfield still. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll, we'll get to that's our, fair. We'll get to our royal medal votes in a moment. But in recent years, that medal has been all dominated by midfielders. It's, it's
1: interesting. We're only a quarter of the way into the season, yeah. but I like where you're going with this.
0: Well, I'm. I just think you know, I don't. Okay, this is a big comment to make, but I I don't know who'd be leading the merit Murray Medal at the moment, but I don't mm-hmm. think it'd be a midfielder.
1: Neither, I don't know who'd be leading either.
0: It's really hard. It yeah. might be Charlie Cameron. It could be Joe Danaher.
1: It um, could be Harris Andrews. It could be
0: Harris Andrews, yeah. absolutely. There, there's a bunch of players it could be, but I don't think it's one of the starting games. Yeah, or mits.
1: it might be a Josh Dunkley just chipping away each week. I don't That's know, true. but I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with it. But you're well, right. Every season it's been... When was the last time... Uh, a non midfielder got in the top three.
0: Well, Joel Patfall won a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm back just to sort of Patful thinking. Think, I'm
1: just sort of thinking. Has Harris
0: been top three?
1: Even in top three, I'm just, I'm just not sure. It's, it's, been, pro- it's been a while. probably someone last year, and I've forgotten already. <laughs> but, but generally, we know Lockie's record, yes. Dane Zorko's record, Jared Lyons' record of yep. being Hugh McCluggage. Hugh McCluggage has been in the top four every season yep. for the last four or five years. So, yeah, I'm sure that yeah, did Stars make top three or four last year? Anyway, yeah, like it's. Dominated by mids, yeah. To, to your point, point. and you're right. It's just not that way this year. Yeah. So the, yeah, the the Giants' midfield challenged Brisbane, mm.
0: and I I feel like Oscar is potentially a little bit down on his mm. best as well at the moment, which is I think that's fair. Raises a whole different conversation because you know at, at some point do you have the the, the do you ask the question. Is Darcy Fort earning his spot as, as the, the main ruckman for a bit? And that's an entirely different conversation. We saw Richmond go through this a few years ago when they had Soldo and Nan Curvis, who were probably both at a very similar level. And, and it was quite hard to think who do you actually pick in this role? I don't think we're there yet with Fort and Oscar, but I don't think we're a world away.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's something that might be revisited in a month or so. Now, one of uh, another journo in Brisbane, Marco Monteverdi, who's been doing a little bit more for uh, News Corp in the Um, covering the lines in the past sort of 12 months or so biggest Darcy Fort fan I know Marco calls him the people's champ (laughs) loves him because he thinks he looks like one of us and I think yeah it's a fair point actually he's got the sort of scruffy bit aside from the fact that he's six foot eight or something he's he's a bit bit like one of us with his scruffy beard and his Mm. uh, guy next door sort of look about him so um, but it's a fair point and something that might have to be revisited because I'm with you. Like any anytime he's come in, mm. whether it was two weeks ago as a forward or playing a second rock or whatever, um, he's been exceptional, Darcy Ford. And yeah, he has I didn't think it was a conversation we'd – might look at visiting soon, but but maybe we'll have to.
0: Uh, just don't try to steal milk off him in the supermarket, as I have shared. <laughs> he's yeah. pretty fierce at the milk fridge, Darcy mm-hmm. Ford. Anyway, look, and I, I want to be clear. I mean, we've spoken a bit about humour, Cluggage, but talking about the rest of the midfielders, I, I don't really think anyone's been poor. No,
1: neither do I. I <laughs> just
0: don't think they've been excellent. Yeah. And and we're used to excellence from Lockie Neal. and he's had. He, I mean, he was excellent against North Melbourne, yeah. but he hasn't really been excellent much outside of that. We're used to excellence from what we've seen of Josh Dunkley at the Dogs. We're used to excellence from humor, Cluggage. And, um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think there was one moment on the weekend. Here's us, by the way, praising the Lions to do, only to move into a few minutes of critique. But it is a fair conversation that, that the one moment on the weekend that was very telling was right near, I think it was the half time break, and humor Cluggage strolling towards goal, and he's about 40 meters out. And the, clearly the option there is you take the shot as a goal-kicking midfielder. And and I, it's burned into my memory him drilling a shot from almost that point in the Demons final last year that sort of sealed the comeback was on its way or, or the dominance was on its way. And instead, he he kicks across the ground miles from any other teammate. I don't know if that was a miskick kick or if he just got panicked and didn't have an option. But But you're watching that thinking, this is a guy who doesn't have any confidence in his... I was going to say his goal-kicking, but maybe his game generally. It was just a bizarre moment, wasn't it?
1: Totally. I'm glad you brought it up because I don't know if he even looked at the goals. Mm. He was running. He broke the 50-meter arc. He had no one around him. And you thought, well, "This." Is, I, I didn't even think of another option other than him having a shot. Yeah, yeah. He had every right to. Maybe if a player was on his own 20 meters away, well, okay, fair enough. Yes. Play, but no one was on their own. He was trying to pinpoint a pass to the pocket, which as he's rightfully said, he missed kicked And it was funny because I thought in the first quarter of the match, I thought that there's some signs here from Hugh. He hit yes. Jack Gunston on the lead twice, beautiful yeah, kicks. Someone else, he, he he his passes led to three direct shots at goal. And I thought, oh, okay, Hugh, Hugh's on here. We might see a day from him. But, yeah, in the second quarter when that missed opportunity came, I thought, oh, and then he just went off the boil. And you're right about Dunkley and Neil. I think they've been – sort of these 7 out of 10 performances good, mm. but not the the occasional 9 that we used to saw. Lockie seemed to be putting up a 9 out of 10 every yeah, 2 out of 3 yes. weeks, you know, last yes. the last few seasons. But, yeah, they, they're going well. Mm. They're not being badly outplayed. I think they will look back at a couple of the centre clearances. The Giants got out the front a couple of times mm. and really put Brisbane's defence under pressure when you're getting centre clearances out the front of those stoppages. Puts your defence under pressure. And that happened... Yeah, more than once. It happened a few times. So, yeah, there's stuff to work on. A great great amount of upside for that line on the field, I think.
0: Completely agree with you on that. And I think there is also quite clearly a bit of a different game plan at play this year. I think probably part of it is um, spreading the load a bit more evenly. I think we've...
1: we've Great point. Yeah, yeah. So
0: all of that is taken into consideration. I will say though, the midfielder who actually I thought stepped up and showed real leadership in that last quarter when the Giants were just chipping away was actually Will Ashcroft. Um the the eighteen year old and I, I know you're not a Dwayne Russell fan. I get it. I hear you. I understand it. It's, it's subjective taste. It's like, you know, exotic food. You either like it or you don't. Um, but that line, he's the baby who steals candy from you. You've got to, even you've got to concede, Mike. That's a great commentary line that's about pre- Croft.
1: It's a good line. Yeah. Yep, that is a good line.
0: <laughs> now, I mean, I reckon uh, Dwayne had pre-prepared that. That wasn't on, on the spot. That was in his notebook. Yep. But that is a that is a killer line from from Dwayne. I mean, I reckon Dwayne probably goes at like a one in ten success rate for those sort of lines. But I'll give, you've got to give him that. That's pretty good.
1: Yep. No, I'll pay that. That was a good line. I'm not his not his greatest fan of his commentary, but yeah, I'll pay that.
0: <laughs> and uh, and Will's last quarter, there were a couple of moments. I mean, the one on the the boundary line where he sort of hand passed to himself and gets the ball yep. forward was probably one that sticks to mind the most. But there is a competitive spirit in him that we we probably haven't seen uh, at play as much because the Lions really haven't had. Uh, you know an incredibly tight finish to a game yet the Bulldogs mm. game had an element of that to it but um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Will you know when there's less than a goal in it five minutes to go in a game I can't wait to see Will stand up in those moments because I think he seems the sort of player built for those moments
1: well he just re- he's still oh, it's only six games in but he just hardly fumbles yes it just still stands out so clearly because we're seeing other players guys that we've just mentioned in the previous couple of minutes I saw on the weekend running over the top of balls fumbling them whatever but will maybe I've still got the you know rose colored goggles on at the moment not seeing his mistakes but he's so clean at ground level mm. um, yeah and his decisions are so clear and he executes so well so yeah he was he was um, excellent in the fourth quarter
0: did see getting around by the way that Levi Ashcroft had another best on ground game as well so uh, thank you Marcus very grateful <laughs> <laughs> great legacy all right uh, let's give our votes AFL.com.au journo Nathan Schmuck moments from joining us on the Raw Deal. It's become a bit of an AFL.com.au media party today on the podcast, Mike. But before he does to talk Frio, we'll give our votes. I reckon today what we'll do, let's both rattle through them and then touch on the individual players. So I gave Joe Danaher the one for his nine marks and 16 touches, uh, Jack Payne the two, and Charlie Cameron the three.
1: Only one difference for me. I gave Brandon Stasevich one. I uh, thought Toby, yeah, sorry, Yeah, you yeah. said rattle yes. through them. Yeah, I've already botched that, so <laughs> another howler from me. Brandon Starsevich, one, Jack Payne, two, mm. and Charlie Cameron, three.
0: Yeah, all right, well, we'll start. I mean, Joe Danaher, I'll just chime in and say I, I feel like this was the, the previous week against North Melbourne. Um, he was dominating on the scoreboard and that that key target inside 50. He wasn't able to be that um, against the Giants. And instead, he found another way to get involved and, and was very involved as sort of a link man more on the wing. Um, and so I was really impressed with Joe. I think, you know, whenever you're getting um, nine marks or 16 touches of him is a pretty high number. So uh, I thought he really stood up. And I thought it was especially impressive before Sam Taylor goes off that he did find a way to win back in that battle um, knowing how good Sam Taylor is. He got to take the opposition into account and uh, and Joe absolutely dominated that one. You want to speak a bit about staff for yeah, some
1: reason? I'm, I, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you too vehemently there because I'm with you. That was great. Now, whether it was, I'd love to know whether it was Joe or whether it was the coaches telling him to come further up the ground, whoever it was, Joe was the one that executed it. Yes. It was fantastic. Cause you're right. You touched on it earlier. Um, We don't associate Joe with that, do we? No. Um, Being able to turn around slow starts or being able to arrest momentum himself. He was terrific. That second quarter was um, really game-changing for him. But I went with Stas because Toby Green, of all the good players on the Giants team, he's the talisman. He's the guy that's going to spark most good things that come with GWS. And I thought he had his moments, Toby Green. You're never going to – you're rarely going to totally blanket him out of the contest. But I thought Stas just – did what he always does. And I thought it was crucial because the Giants had enough opportunities. They got the ball inside 50 enough where Toby Green could have done some damage. But I thought keeping him quiet was critical in keeping the Giants at bay.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair point there. You don't see Toby play that quiet too often,
1: yeah. um, especially
0: not in, in games where the rest of the team is firing. So uh, we'll talk about Jack Payne here now for a little
1: bit because... I'm glad we both settled on him for the two. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and I think the coaches' votes went a similar way. Um, I think he might have got the four in the coaches' vote. So, uh, you know, we, we sometimes after games like this with players like Jack can jump straight to best game he's played for the Lions. Mm. I, I'm not sure, but it's certainly be in the top three. Mm. Um, and, and one thing I did think watching him on the week. We've spoken quite a bit about, uh, you know, obviously the the shock and the 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 sadness of the Marcus Adams situation has opened this up. Now, with Darcy Gardner's injury, Jack Payne would have been playing this year anyway, um, so far to date. But I am, uh, regardless of the the very sad circumstances that have brought it about, I'm really glad that Jack is getting this senior run of footy. Um, because he is just looking better and better by the week, and and you're watching him play and thinking, yeah, there's one of the key defensive slots probably locked for a decade.
1: Yep, totally. He yeah. looks. More, um, we hypothesised about this at the start of the season that the fact that he's going to get a long stretch at it, mm. um, and I thought that he would play better and better the more he felt part of the team. He is. I know oh this is a bit of a weak saying, but he is a bit of a confidence player. Yes. You can see it growing the more he feels part of the unit. And yes, he's played, I think he played 27 or 28 games before this season, but he he was only really coming in to fill a hole because of an injury. Whereas this year he knew he was going to get a a decent crack at it. And he's at that stage of his career where if he played good footy, he was going to hold it down mm. when other defenders came back. So, and we can see it, yep, his disposal has certainly got a question mark on it occasionally, but I just think that'll iron out. He'll he'll be a safe kick eventually. He'll, he knows his strengths, and he might make the odd error, but in the air, he looks commanding. When he goes for his marks, <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he's going to take them. So yeah. I'm sure that's a part of his game they'll continue to encourage, and I love seeing him develop, and he's critical, critical to have two key defenders. If you've got harris and jack locked away that's a mm. such a big head start on so many teams in the comp am i
0: allowed to air a bugbear of mine we like we like doing this on the podcast you Dom, a- it's your
1: show mate you can do whatever you want
0: <laughs> well i know you've got a bugbear with certain journalist phrases to get thrown around learnings is a you know even saying that you recoil i can yeah. see <laughs> um his name is jack payne not jackson payne <laughs> Now, oh, no. I, <laughs> this drives me up the wall. I am. I honestly get furious. And do you know, normally I don't say anything because it's people who don't watch the lines a lot. And and yes, we did have a key defender called Jackson Payne on the list for a while. Lovely guy. I did a podcast with him and Mitch Robinson. <laughs> lovely guy. I think he's in Hawthorne's media team now, he Jackson is. Payne.
1: And still a lovely guy, I can still confirm. A lovely I've guy. spoken to him right. a couple of times. <laughs>
0: Loveliest guy. So lovely. Very yeah. different human being to Jack Payne. <laughs> Their last names are spelled differently. One's called Jackson. One's called Jack. Now, uh, I was mostly letting this go until this week. I heard, you know who I heard make the mistake? I'm nervous. Luke bloody Hodge. <laughs> I heard Luke Hodge on SEN call him Jackson Payne. And I thought, Hodgey, oh, you bloody work for the club. You, do- I don't think Hodgey was ever here when Jackson Payne was here, but he was when Jack Payne was here.
1: I wonder oh no, I wonder what, I wonder what Jackson Payne thinks about all of this.
0: <laughs> we should ask him. I reckon we should get both of them on the same podcast. <laughs> Jackson Payne great, and Jack Payne. It?
1: We'll do the we'll do a Payne special. Hey Jack Meet Jackson. <laughs> <Yeah. 'Cause laughs> or the, Jackson Meet Jackson. So you've picked
0: up on this too, you've heard I've this heard as well. Yeah. I
1: didn't hear Hodge say it, but I have heard it a couple of times. I have let it slide. I haven't I probably haven't heard it as many times as you. I've just sort of passed <laughs> it off as a oh, that was a one mistake, but you're you're right. I reckon.
0: Oh, it's happened too much now, and and you hear it. The fox footy commentators will sometimes throw it out there. I think Jordan Lewis might have done one in one of the breaks on the weekend, one of the quarter time breaks. And I just think, I mean, obviously, I get it. It's confusing. There was a fringe defender, key defender for a couple of years at Lions called Jackson Payne. Now suddenly there's a quite fringe. A, quite key defender a, called called a few Jack years Payne. ago, though, wasn't it?
1: It was. The he Jackson would have left in 16, 16, I think, end
0: of Yeah, I think he end, end left at the end of sixteen because that was the official end of the. Uh, Gosh, what was that podcast called? What was the that? Pl- from the Players Lounge, I think. Yeah. Clearly a raging success yep. that year that Mitch uh, Jackson and I did that podcast. Don't worry, Mike, I learned my lesson. I, I was unfaithful to you on the podcast front for a year. It went awfully. I had to go and apologize to you for six months, and then you forgave me and came back. We worked on things. We've had some counseling. All's well now. <laughs> but um, But so, yeah, you're right. Jackson Payne hasn't been at the club or on an AFL list for seven years. And uh, and I mean, what a he'd probably be loving it. The PR for Jackson <laughs> Payne is right up there. But anyway, I ju- I just want to make it really clear going forward. If if you ever hear, maybe we should throw this out to real deal listeners. If you hear someone in the media go with the Jackson Payne, can you like let us know where you heard it? We I think we start a tally. Yeah, if this yeah. continues, we're gonna we're gonna call it out. We're gonna name and shame. Media outlets are going with it. Jackson Payne instead of Jack. Uh, and then as we wrap up um, we've both given the three to Charlie Cameron. Seven goals, really probably should, could have been nine or ten. I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen a lion hit the double digits. I don't remember how long it's been, but uh, he he really, Joe threatened against North to be the one to do it. Charlie threatened this weekend to be the one to do it. Um, for all the hype around Hipwood, Danaher and Gunston as, as the potential lethal key forward line, it's easy to forget sometimes that, you know, the superstar, the big superstar down there is uh, one of the top three, four forwards in the game and, and it's Charlie Cameron.
1: I just wonder, and it only occurred to me today when I was thinking, oh, what's some things I could maybe look into um, this week for stories or just little nuggets of ideas? And I just wondered, I wonder if Charlie Cameron's playing a bit deeper the last few weeks because we've seen yeah, interesting uh, that Joe Danaher is doing some damage up the ground, Hipwood's been going up the ground and Charlie Cameron is always just a nightmare close to goal he's so strong he's so nimble he's so agile he's athletic like he's a nightmare to defend one-on-one and he seems to be in space quite a lot so it's probably not something I'll look at too much this week I think we need to see it for a few more weeks but it just occurred to me that perhaps they've decided to play him a little a little bit closer to goal so good point um, it's just a theory. I don't know if this, the numbers would back it up, but yeah, he's in incredible form. What's he kicked now? Seventeen goals in the last three weeks. I th- the last guy I think that kicked ten for Brisbane would have been Jono Brown in two thousand and seven against Carlton. Yeah, game right. that a game that I was recalling with uh, Andrew Stafford, another journo, on Sunday because it was a game that led to the sacking of Dennis Pagan. So mm. the 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 ten goals from Jono that day are fresh in my mind. Perhaps there's been someone since then. Um, that I've overlooked. But, yeah, I thought he had a chance because he had six halfway through the third, Uh, had the seventh, had a couple more shots, hit the post with one, and get greedy, Charlie. Yeah, I know. Get greedy. (laughs) I know. Well,
0: I mean, you mentioned against Carlton was the last time, maybe next Friday night. Imagine if uh, Charlie kicked 10 there, hey? That'd be pretty special. Um, It is is thrilling, though, and and what I really hope happens now is that opposition defences decide to just focus on Charlie Mm. because then – Cam Rainer can pop up, or then Joe Danaher can... Like, that is... And I know the commentary focused on it a lot on the weekend, but that is just the enormous strength the Lions have, is instead of, like many teams, having one or two absolute X-factor dangerous forwards to lock down on, the Lions are a bit like the... Is it... What's that ancient Greek character? Is it Medusa that has the many heads? <laughs> yes. Is that Medusa yeah, or have I got that wrong? I apologise if I've the, got the that wrong. You Medusa? know, I think... Yeah. I don't know if it is Medusa. I think I've got that there wrong. Whatever Medusa it is. Medusa
1: like the is that the um, legs and arms <laughs> this is or what something what people tune into yeah, this yeah, podcast yeah. Yep. for isn't it anyway. i'm going to
0: google that well we while we talk about that i wonder what happens if i google yeah, ancient greek multi-headed monster <laughs> does that
1: come up i'd be nervous hydra for your webs. hydra oh, i've never even heard of hydra you haven't heard of hydra it's not as exciting
0: i think medusa i think i think hydra has the many heads and medusa maybe has the many tails or is it the hair with medusa maybe uh, i don't know this is google not it. what people have tuned nah, in for
1: no it's not but you're right because <laughs> brisbane do have four or five or six guys that can kick four goals in a game. Yes. Right? Yeah. They can bob up. Um, mm. We're going to talk about Carlton next week. Yes. And we know from watching them so far that it's Colonel Mackay or bust probably. Yes, At yeah. the moment, that might change this weekend before they play Brisbane, but mm. on the evidence that we've seen. And a lot of forward lines are not necessarily built like that, but that's the way they turn out. You've got two or three good options and then some role players. But that's Brisbane for – I guess, good and bad. They have they don't have a lot of designated role guys, but they've got guys that can all kick four goals or more. We've seen Link McCarthy do it in yeah. previous years. He's yes. off to a slower start on the goal-kicking front this year, but you can't relax off anyone in no. <laughs> Brisbane's forward 50.
0: Uh, I've come around on ancient Greek chat. I actually think that was great. I think we should do that every week. So just a bit of Med- mythology. Who's Medusa? Medusa's got like snakes in the hair.
1: That's what I just kept... Yeah. I just seeing all... I couldn't... I didn't know if they was snakes or legs or arms or what was... But I just... Something going on in the hair. A, a lot, a did lot you do ancient stuff.
0: history at school or is that just stuff no. you've
1: picked up along the way? Modern history, I did. You're a modern history but guy. But that, right. that was 30 years ago, which is now ancient <laughs> history, so... <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's yes, a good point, actually. Um, well, I mean, I, I was a history buff at school. I did both of them. And so you'd think I'd do a bit better with that. But anyway, uh, maybe there's a maybe there's a story in there down the track about the Lions Ford line being like Hydra um, for a very cultured audience, hey, Mike? Uh, well, uh, let's jump into chatting about Frio. We'll do a bit of our chat uh, in a moment. But right now, one of your colleagues is uh, jumping into the Zoom chat um, from over in Perth. Nathan Schmook joins us to talk all things Dockers. Uh, Schmucky, thank you so much for making time for the raw deal.
2: Pleasure guys. I'm I'm looking forward to stepping into enemy territory here. <laughs> yes,
0: well, I mean that's that, that's the the thinking is that we can get you to give a bit of an in-depth look at Frio. And I guess when you are looking at Frio in twenty twenty three, the the big question is what on earth's gone
2: wrong? Well, the game style I think is the the number one thing that the midfield's an issue, the forward line is young, but the the game style seems to be the thing at, at Fremantle that is getting the most attention. And the ball use. They've been a, a real control team. You know, when they made the finals last year, they won a final last year. But it, it hasn't clicked for them this year, that control style. It hasn't been getting the scores on the board that they need and and they're conceding bigger scores to their opponents. So I see that as the number one thing that probably needs to change now at Freo. But they're still young as well. That's the other thing that I think they've probably underrated. The impact that the youth on their list was going to have, and and losing someone like David Mundy, the impact that that was going to have on them, Mm. because they've yeah they've they've lost a lot of experience with him and and with the trades at the end of last year as well. They lost a lot of experience, so it feels like a a step back for Fremantle this year with their list and and their game style just isn't clicking.
1: Schmucky, obviously. Is it maybe the lack of change that's the problem there? Because Justin Longmuir has uh, been in the role for a couple of years and was rightfully lauded last year for his game style and how difficult the Dockers were to score against. Is what you're getting at there maybe a lack of evolution in that game style, do you think, or is that maybe a step too far?
2: No, I reckon you're you're spot on, Fish. I I think the the teams have probably worked out what they need to do to, to be able to stop Fremantle, and the way that I've always seen their game under Justin Longmear was a, a bit of control out of the back half and, and being safe with their ball movement off half back and and then really timing when they go. So getting the ball into the midfield and, and then finding the right time, I guess, to hit that turbo button and, and really move and use their speed. And I think what teams have been able to do this year is, is prevent them getting those short kicks off half back and, and getting the ball into a bit of a kick-mark style. At half back and, and getting the ball to a position where they can hit the turbo button. This year they've been forced into yeah, a, a lot of kicking long down the line. If you, you see Luke Ryan with the footy at half back, it's just so frequently it's been a, a long kick along the boundary and and it hasn't worked for them. So that's I think that's what I, I find really interesting coming up against Brisbane this week. And and you might be the the first guys to to see it happen where they might have to make a, a pretty dramatic change, Fremantle, if they're going to salvage anything from this season.
0: Well, I mean, the, the big question from a Lions point of view is, do, do Frio have anybody who can go with Charlie Cameron?
2: <laughs> well, I think they do. And I, I don't reckon Charlie Cameron has really burnt Fremantle in recent seasons. He, I've just off the top of my head, he's sort of been a two or three goal a game guy against Fremantle. I know that he's in he's in ripping form at the moment, but Brandon Walker is probably the guy that they'll turn to, and he's done the job before. So he's one player, one defender around the competition who's got that sort of blend of of speed and and a little bit of like size as well. Where you know, I, I think he can handle the matchup. But having said that, the the class of Charlie Cameron and that you combine that with his form at the moment and Maybe this is the one where he he really just sort of busts out and, and has one of those big games against the Dockers,
1: Schmuckie. I liked when I heard you talking before. I like the the your phrase there, like hitting the turbo button. And when I think back to the the contest last year over in the West, that's what I remember. When Frio, um, I mean, it was a f- reasonably tight game, but Frio kept Brisbane at arm's length in that second half, and I just remember f- the Frio forcing turnovers. And then I just remember um, Frederick out in space so much and just running rings around Brisbane's uh, wingers and their midfielders weren't able to defend Frio's ball movement. Obviously, he's still in the team. Is there a few other guys that we, as in the public and Brisbane fans, should be looking for to, hey, if Fremantle wants to take the game on a bit, do they have enough speed and enough weapons to to challenge Brisbane? Yeah, well...
2: I mean, it's definitely still Frederick. He's still the the leg speed in that Mm. team. And and Switkowski, if he can get get himself back from injury this week, I I think he's probably still a week away. He would be the other. But, yeah, we we haven't seen that sort of game from Fremantle this season. We haven't seen them really use their midfield speed. And, yeah, I I mean, the danger man, if we're going to talk about danger men at Fremantle, it's Caleb Sarong. He's Mm. the one who's Mm. in. Yeah, oh, wow. exceptional form at the back, the the one who's sort of winning that ground ball for them and and getting it to the outside. Um, Brayshaw, I I know that there's a lot of talk about him being out of form and and he isn't the same player that he was last year, but yeah, he's still capable. He's still yeah, getting the ball outside and and probably getting a lot more of that burst sort of happening out of clearances and and getting some inside fifties more than he has previously. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd look for him to have an improved game this week. But, yeah, leg speed, it, it definitely is still Frederick. And, yeah, it's probably not a lot else going on up the ground. I, I don't see Ethan Hughes as a particularly fast and, and damaging player, and he's taking one wing. James Ash is taking another wing and, and rotating a bit through the middle. So, yeah, it's it's probably, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably an element of their game that they've, they've lost a bit this season.
0: Well, you did just mention James Aish. It's uh, it's his homecoming to the cabin this weekend. <laughs> he's one of the more peculiar cases in footy. I remember when the the Lions drafted him at pick five. I think it might have been five or six,
1: six or seven or something, six, yeah.
0: something in that range, um, from South Australia. And there was a lot of talk that he came from footy royalty in Adelaide, and he was going to end up in Adelaide. Well, he's just about played in every state but <laughs> South yeah. Australia now. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously Brisbane, then Collingwood, now Frio. Um, have you had much to do with with James over his journey? Do you have a, a read on him as a person?
2: At all, yeah. I interviewed him before the finals last year, and and I really enjoyed the chat. And I, I remember asking him about that sort of peculiar element to his career that he he has moved a a lot around Australia and never played in his home state, and and he seems to me like a guy who's able to make friends pretty easily. Gets to a new club and and fits in really quickly. That kind of struck me, and and a very likable guy. So. I think that served him well, and and he's probably quite a curious guy as well. He enjoys getting into a new city, getting to a new club, sort of getting out there and, and exploring a bit. So, I think that's what's helped him in his career, moving around a bit. That's just my observation. But um, he's probably he's played some good footy at Fremantle as well. I, I think he's played the best footy of his career while he's been a Docker. Mm. And the underrated part of his time here as well has probably been that inside element to his game, being a yeah, he's one of their main wingers, but whenever they've needed him to go inside and and be a contested ball player or or be a stopper, he's done a really good job of it. So he's one of the first picked. He's he's one of Justin Longmill's favorites. So you, you do know at Fremantle that you you're gonna get you're gonna get a, a good return from James H. He's gonna get the job done for you, whatever that job might be.
0: Uh, I'd just be careful saying his best footies at Prio, though, because I've got fond memories of a game in Wellington <laughs> against St Kilda. I think it was 2014. maybe, maybe It might have been his first win for the Lions, to, been. to memory, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he played in that yeah. one, didn't he? He, did. he did. That one. He did. Anyway, he had he was a right. famous <laughs> win in Wellington. So, uh, you know, he might play some good footy for the Dockers, but can he do it in New Zealand? That's the real question, <laughs> schmucky.
2: <laughs> He's been everywhere, hasn't he? He hasn't had the opportunity yet. That's that <laughs> no, yeah. my defence. The, yep. the Dockers haven't gone to Wellington.
1: Fair <laughs> point. Fair point. <laughs> Mate, I got one one more Dockers player I want to ask you about, Schmookie Luke Jackson. Um, how have you seen his start? At much hyped, and and he's still obviously got so much footy in front of him. But how have you seen his first six rounds? Really up and
2: down fish. Mm. Um, there's been. And Probably a you know, start to the season where there's been moments and then there's, yeah, you know, he's just gone sort of disappearing for longer periods. So the thing I keep coming back to is that he's a 21 year old mm. at a, a new club and playing in a, a new role. Basically, he's playing as a, a permanent forward. I know that he he sort of helps in the ruck, but free. I've settled into probably a, I'd, I'd say, you know, an estimate. It's been about an 80-20 model the last few weeks where Sean Darcy is taking the, the vast majority of the hit out. So, as a permanent forward, I, I think he's probably got himself to a lot of contests, but he's just not hanging on to his marks. That stood out against the Western Bulldogs, the the amount of contests that he gets to without you know, being able to clunk it. Um, and yeah, I, I think the, the Gold Coast game was probably his best game, kicking a couple of important goals. So it looked like a bit of a turning point that game, but then the Bulldogs game was probably a, a step backwards for him. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing his talent in bursts, but, yeah, not sort of put together for, for an entire game. Um, but like I said, he's a, a 21-year-old at a, a new club in a, a new position. So they made the move for the, the long-term mantle, and that the short-term payoff probably hasn't been there just yet
0: well uh reading the room from lions fans ahead of this one uh you know it's a bit of an unusual case i think but the Lions obviously so strong at the gabba free such a faltering start to the season there's a bit of confidence up amongst the lions fans that this could be a, a pretty commanding victory on the weekend do you think uh do you think that's justified or, or if you're if you were speaking to lions fans would you say be wary of Frio that they've still got a lot of talent there that can strike back
2: I'd, de- I'd definitely say be wary and that there's talent there and, and there's going to be unpredictability there as well. I mean, if if Fremantle take the, the footy that they've been playing for the majority of this season into this week, then yeah, you'd, you'd sort of chalk it up as a pretty easy win for the Lions. But I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think Freo are going to make change this week. I, I think we've seen enough and Justin Longmear has seen enough now to know that to keep doing what they've been doing would be crazy. So I think they're going to make change. I think there's going to be a bit of unpredictability about them and, and players trying new things. And that's what I, I mean, from a Fremantle perspective, that's what I hope to see. Um, and then, you know, there's the youth and, and you never know what you're going to get week to week. There's going to be quite games from players like Jai Amos and, and Sam Sturt and, and Matt Johnson, but, you never know when they're going to bob up and, and have an impact as well. So, yeah, there's there's unpredictability about the Dockers at the moment. So, to to predict that it, it is going to be a comfortable win for Brisbane, yeah, I think it's dangerous territory.
1: Before we let you go, Schmucky, um, I I don't know how to word this, but I think it's fair to say that we've been a sounding board for each other, I think, across our working careers. I'm in the East, you're in the West, we've got, uh, somewhat similar roles like i oh, we're, we're sort of one out in our own particular states um how are you doing over there because the the yes. it's been a nightmare for the eagles <laughs> the poor old dockers are struggling <laughs> i've had so many years where both clubs up here have struggled and it's hard yakka. how are you how are you handling things this season so far
2: no i've always appreciated your check-ins fish and I, I hope <laughs> i've showed the same care for for you in these tough times that you had for me and yeah, it's it's not easy, is it? When you when your footy clubs in a, a two team market mm. are battling away, it is hard yards because I think as as journo's we rely on that sort of you know that occasional diet of having a positive story there to tell about a player or a you know one of the clubs at any given time. But when when it's dire straits like it is over here, for, I'm at West Coast training right now, and they've just had fourteen players come out on the track. Oh, oh my god! Um, wow. Did you take your boots? So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bloody hell! What's going oh, on there? So What's going on with
2: that? Remarkable. It's just a second, a second straight year of, of just injury chaos for West Coast. So yeah, it's kind of ticked over from COVID into that for West Coast, and and then at Freo, it's um yeah, the the trends are quite alarming at frio and and people don't tend to enjoy talking about things when they're going that badly. So I I appreciate the check in (laughs) Fish and and I hope it does turn very quickly but um I'm... I'm glad that there's some positives over there for you to talk about in Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: Very hard-earned positives, as uh, yeah. as we can attest. I think Mike and I started doing stuff together, podcast stuff together in 2013, and it's been a long journey since we, till we were able to see one of the, you know, well, you got to see one of the Queensland teams make finals six years after that. So yeah. it's a bit of a slog, but um, but anyway, things the, the wheel always does turn. Hopefully, though, just not this Saturday. Hopefully it takes another week for the wheel to turn for Frio oh, from our perspective, Schmookie. But uh, thank you so much for, for making time for joining us uh, re- really appreciate it absolute
2: pleasure enjoy chatting guys
0: and as Schmookie uh, jumps out, Mike, a uh, bit more on Frio, obviously. Interesting thoughts from him there. That, you know, don't take Frio lightly. And, and they do seem like a team who have enough talent and enough coaching um, genius to probably turn things around at some point. You just kind of hope it's not this weekend. Um, but but I was thinking about the Dockers and the history between the Lions and the Dockers. And for, for you know, something where there isn't any inbuilt rivalry necessarily. I mean, different coasts um Frio are uh, not not the main team in WA they've never played in a final like there's there's not enough on paper for it to be a real rivalry and yet there is something that has emerged um when you look at the dockers and the lions and it goes back I was thinking of the connections over the years you've got Des Hedlund probably kicked it off when Des Hedlund left the the lions in the premiership years to go back to Frio then um We had Mark Harvey, who was obviously the the Dockers coach, the only person to coach both the Dockers and the Lions, uh, only for a few weeks, obviously, with the Lions, (laughs) Mark Harvey. But uh, then you had the famous Mitch Clark story, um, when Mitch Clark wanted to leave Brisbane to go home to WA, and still one of the most perplexing things I can remember, the Frio website put up a story, effectively almost welcoming him to the club before the trade had gone through they couldn't stump up a good enough pick and Mitch ends up going to the demons after all of that. And uh and then obviously most recently Lockie Neal is the the chapter in that trade story. So there is a little bit of history between these two clubs.
1: Yeah, I'd forgotten the Mitch Clark one. That's a that's a good one to pull that one up. But yeah, obviously the recent one is Lockie Neal. <laughs> and that's we a few years removed from him coming from west to east. But yeah, it's still fresh enough. He's he's mates with a lot of guys at I'm sure it's you know uh, still on Fremantle's list, so yeah, there's a little bit of history there, but yeah, it's not a built-in rivalry per se, but yeah, it's a it's a challenge for Brisbane this weekend. Schmooky knows that team as well as anyone in the country. It's a it's a team he supports, I think. So uh, <laughs> okay, there we go. A <laughs> bit of an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a team he supports. So yeah, um, I remember him very very nervously watching them in that grand final in 2013, having to having to work the game and <laughs> and cover them, but. Uh, yeah, he knows them well, and I'm sure he's seen them close enough. Uh, he knows them well enough to know what they're capable of. And, yeah, we saw that's less than 12 months ago that they beat mm. Brisbane. I know it was at Optus Stadium, and it's the teams have changed a little bit since then. I think it's interesting the fact that uh, Schmucky's not the first guy I've heard mention this, but just the um, harking back to Dave Mundy, like yeah, almost yeah. the, the hole that he's left. And from the outside, I look and think, oh, yeah, he was a good player, and oh, he was a great player. Sorry, but he was a good player in his final year. You know, he's probably old enough. He's, he's, you know, by AFL standards, he's an old player, and he was due to retire, and he retired. And what's the what's the big deal? But clearly, it is a big deal. Yeah, if he's raising it, it's a big deal, and yes. just the hole that can leave in your midfield. Calm head, experience, and he was a terrific ball user and a quick decision maker. So, yeah, interesting that that loss is probably being felt. So. Mm. Brisbane should win. Oh, but, look,
0: but, I, I obviously agree, but you never you never know what might happen. And it's you interesting can't. you mentioned with Mundy, I wonder whether Dane Zorko plays a bit of a similar role yeah. for the Lions as an energizer makes, and mm. um, you know, someone who does lift the team. Uh, we've seen that a little bit earlier this year. Obviously, he didn't play round one and um that was the aberration. I'm not saying Dane Zorko was a fifty-four point difference no, uh, in yeah, round yeah. one, but there is something about his presence that sometimes I don't know, we've we've said this before, but clubs are very quick to uh, retire the champions. Mm. Uh, now, Freo were not quick to retire. No, David no, Mundy. no. Yeah. He was 37, was he, when he hung up the boots? I think, I think so, yeah. Something like that. So they were not quick to do no. that. But sometimes you you just don't understand how much they're actually adding, Um, even outside of their own contributions, just to team dynamic.
1: No, because we I, I just look at that. I look purely because I am on the other side of the country and I'm looking at purely a player-for-player player transaction almost. So mm. Dave Mundy retires. They get Jager O'Meara in. I think, okay, that's a... A, a similar type of player, Jager's obviously younger, but they're midfield players. They can play half forward. They can kick goals, whatever. But, yeah, you can't put a, a price on things that those guys bring outside of footy. And they're almost like a security blanket for your team, for yes, your midfield. Yes, When you're three goals down and um, Andy Brayshaw and Caleb Sarong at centre bounce, they can look across and see Dave Mundy and feel like if they make a mistake, it's going to be covered up by Dave Mundy. Or it's interesting they're in an... They're in a difficult spot, Fremantle, at the moment. They're um, struggling, not where they thought they'd be. Now they've got the long, they've got the long trip to the Gabba, mm. and I'm sure there's a lot of Frio fans very, very nervous about this game. Thinking, gee, Brisbane hit some form in the past few weeks, and another loss brings a lot more pressure for Justin Longmuir. But yeah, we've seen their best footy. We saw it less than twelve months ago when they played Brisbane and, and defeated Brisbane quite handily.
0: Yeah, no, completely. It's going to be an interesting one. I mean, the Saturday afternoon against the Dockers at the Gabba brings back a lot of um, 2020 vibes for me. That was the, mm. I think, the match that restarted the season yeah. uh, in that COVID year. Um, and I think I'm trying to remember the Lions were able to have a couple of thousand fans there. Maybe it was a, it to was, well, I reckon, yeah, two thousand. It was a tiny number. Mm. They did a, an amazing job of getting some some sound in there from the fan base. I remember uh, remember being so filthy that I missed out on a ticket. I was so envious <laughs> at going to live sports and. It's funny, we just still take that stuff just for granted again yep. now and for years it was just such a, you know, oh, I'd give anything to go yeah, watch the footy again. So, so true. um But it, that, w- that was also around the time that the uh, player goal songs kicked off because they were trying to add some atmosphere. So... Uh, what do they say that restrictions are the best breeding ground for for innovation and creativity? And that did prove the case. Uh, team changes for the Lions, Mike. Um, I mean, obviously, you'd probably assume Jared Lyons will go back to the VFL to get a full game in after two weeks as the sub. Um, you know, we'll see who they bring in as the sub instead for the Lions. But uh, outside of that, I mean, Darcy Gardner, uh, unfortunately, as you reported on, on Twitter, he had another week out of the VFL. Um, that's just a short-term injury though, right?
1: Yeah, that's the club's confident that's just a short-term. And obviously they're going to be cautious with him because he hasn't played football. Well, he's played one game in the VFL. So they're going to be cautious. They're confident as of our recording that he'll play this weekend. So unless there's a, another setback during the week. But it does put him back a bit because he's had one game, he has one off, he's got to come back again. Will they play him? They would have played him almost a full VFL game, I think, if he played mm. on the weekend, and then he, I would assume he'd be available for AFL. But will they be keen to th- um, have him play a full game this weekend, just pick up from where he left off, or will he have to go back to sort of a 60 or 70% workload? I'm not sure of the answer to that, but it's it's a setback for Gardner. But, yeah, Dara Joyce is doing the job. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree I, with
0: that on the whole. I do think about Carlton next weekend though, and especially if you want Harris to be able to have a little bit of freedom to take his intercept marking and not have to match up too tightly on one of Kerno and Mackay. I you, do
1: you're gonna match up Harris, I reckon. You reckon that sounds I good. think,
0: yeah, I think so. you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I think it is probably pain on Mackay and Harris on Kerno. That's probably the way my mind goes with it. But uh it'd be a pretty hefty challenge to bring Dallas Garden if I get and go, yeah. Here you go, Dizzy. Good luck with that. Yep. But but it is I don't know, it's getting a bit concerning for Dizzy. It is. I think we probably thought he, he might miss the first couple of weeks of the season. But we're, you know, we're six rounds in now and, yep. and I don't know, it's um I'm just. I think if the Lions do end up with a mid-season draft pick, I reckon there's a pretty reasonable chance Harrison Arnold from the VFL team will will take that spot because he's looking better by the week as well as a what 22, 23 year old key defender. So, um, just an interesting one to watch on on the Darcy Gardner front, but. Uh, he's a he's a player that I think we all love dearly so we'd just love to see him out there as soon as we can it is
1: the certainly the part of the list that's got the biggest question mark because if you if we went back 6 months ago we would have been thinking it's Harris Andrews uh Jack Payne yeah. Marcus Adams <laughs> yes. Darcy Gardner you've got four guys there to fill three spots and yes. they're four really good options and they'll all be available at the start of the season and and Brian Lester's there in case of emergency you know that, that's it's not a deep part of the list but it's it, there's enough there yeah but things have just changed so quickly and i, I think you're right that's the spot on the list that needs a, a bit of support and whether it's arnold or not i guess we'll find out yeah
0: time will tell uh do, do you have any sense of any other changes or do you think it'll be a pretty much as is? i wouldn't this think weekend? so
1: i can't see a reason that they'd want to change i think jared lyons needs and would probably want a full game in the vfl because yeah it's nice to <laughs> tick another game off and play senior footy for a quarter at a couple of weeks in a row but you want to get back and get your hands on the footy again and make sure that if a midfield spot does come up that you're in form and that you can grab it so it's nice to see guys like dev robertson and noah answorth and these fellas putting their hand up week after week tom Fullerton kicked a kicked uh, i think it was five goals in the vfl so there's guys that are really knocking on the door but hey the senior team's winning and playing pretty good footy the past yeah certainly the past three weeks and i think generally pretty good footy for the past five weeks so
0: only curveball I throw at you though, Mike, is the we would have said pre-season that probably the two best ruck duos in the comp are Melbourne, um, obviously with, with Gorn and Grundy yeah. and probably Frio um, yeah. with Darcy and Jackson now. We did see with Melbourne that Chris Fagan did bring in Darcy Fort to play two rucks to sort of quell them. Uh, I know we just heard from Schmucky that mm. Luke Jackson isn't really doing a lot of rucking and maybe they'd be happy with, with Danaher up against him for that 20%. But do you think that might even cross Chris Fagan's mind?
1: No, I reckon it was interesting what, Schmookie said there and I haven't watched a ton of Frio I watched them play the Suns and bits and pieces of other games I saw a little bit on the Friday night against the Dogs but but yeah the fact that Darcy's doing the bulk of the work I think that'll I, I think they want to go with the one with Oscar as the main Ruckman and Joe we've seen the value of Joe mm. as the second Ruckman I think he can go up against Luke Jackson he's just as athletic he moves around the ground as well as Luke Jackson so I, I reckon they'll go. I, I know what you're getting at with your thinking there but no, nah, I think they'll stick with yeah. Oscar and Joe
0: well, it might be a pretty dull live stream for uh, our Royal Patreon <laughs> fans on Thursday night. Then, I mean, dull from a team selection point of view. We'll obviously do our best to oh, keep it entertaining. We'll we'll find something. Who fun are the four make.
1: emergencies? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. You, I remember back in the day where selection night would be a bit of a meltdown and you'd have five in, five out, and a <laughs> lot to talk about back then. Anyway, we might where, end up- Where with are the they end. all going to play?
1: What positions are he going to play? <laughs> yeah,
0: That's, uh, the, the, I, won't, I won't say the good old days. That's where West Coast are at the moment from what Schmookie was mm. telling us there. I can't believe that. Fourteen. 14. At training. <laughs> that, is, that is insane. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's uh, do some fortune telling. in this confusing, strange world where you can't bank on anything and everything's always shifting and changing and fading, it is our great pleasure to provide you a segment that seems somehow to have consistently returned to being awful. Um, <laughs> it's nice to have some <laughs> solid ground to stand on, something you can just bank on. Because earlier this year we were looking okay with the fortune telling and I think that was weeding some people out. But we're back, Mike. We're back in form. Uh, we're, we're basically – I was going to – can I, I'm going to make a joke here, and you're not going to like the joke, but you can <laughs> well, just bear just it. just laughing already. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, I think fortune-telling is the Gold Coast Sons of segments. <laughs> <laughs> but, that every week you get a little bit of hope that maybe it's going to be better now, but eventually it seems to revert to the mean. And I know you're not, yep. not going to comment on this because in case Sons people listen and they go, how dare you laugh at his Sons joke.
1: No, no, that's all right. <laughs> I, I laugh at it. Hey, I've experienced it as much as any yeah, Sons supporter out there. I've watched every game, every... Um, mm yeah I want them to win too but yeah it's a fair comparison Well, maybe I think.
0: fortune telling might have done better if we'd gone with Alistair Clarkson as the coach instead of yeah. the two of us maybe <laughs> that we should have done that and that I mean we'll save Suns chat for a whole nother day but that's that is gonna be long term a bit of a sliding doors moment what would have happened if they'd gone Clarko but too early to make big calls but
1: yeah well the Suns beat Clarko on Sunday so well, that's what would have yeah
0: know, okay a little bit of bite back there
1: from a yeah, our- <laughs> bit, bit of bite back
0: <laughs> fair point uh, all right well last week in fortune telling I pretty did another ten plus goal win, uh, and you predicted Hugh would be in both of our votes this week. Uh, obviously, S- zero for two.
1: Just, just something on that. Firstly, mm. I had a bit of a head wobble at quarter time, thinking <laughs> Hugh's on here and yep. he's probably going to clean up. I had a couple and of head then,
0: wobble moments as well at forty points yeah. up.
1: <laughs> and, and as a mate pointed out to me, it's a bit rich when your fortune telling is you voting on <laughs> a player. <laughs> And he's absolutely too. right. What I should have said, and what yeah. I will do in the future, is it's mm. a coaches' votes thing. Yeah, okay. something that we're not voting on. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good point. Yeah, because otherwise we can we're like the casino. Yeah, so we can manipulate the yep. outcomes Yep,
1: one vote for Hugh McLuggage this yeah. week. Yeah, oh, I guess fortune telling was right. But yeah, no, yeah. that was that was pretty ordinary for me again. So I like Fe- it. Few um, learnings.
0: It's bold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you know who's got some good learnings is Jackson Payne. Yeah, he's he been does, he's got some great learnings. Yep. Um well this week, Mike, uh, I really I, I felt I was letting everyone down with a fortune telling and I've heard the speculation. David King is questioning the brand of fortune telling. He wonders what's going on with fortune telling, if anyone's gonna stand up and take fortune telling on their shoulders and take the team forward.
1: What, it, what does it stand for? Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah, that one. <laughs>
0: that's, I heard him going hard at it the other day. And it's, a fair, it's fair criticism, Kingy. What does it stand for? No one knows. So we've taken a good hard look at ourselves in the mirror, in the crystal ball actually. And uh, what I'm seeing this week, and I'm pretty confident of this, is uh, Jack Gunston's Time to Shine. I think Gunners oh, okay. is going to kick five this week. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> this is another one we don't. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> well, I
0: just, I just have a sense. I mean, uh, Jack Austin could have easily had three or four on the weekend. Just gone. Um, you know, there were two sort of uncharacteristic. Well, I say uncharacteristic from his Hawthorne times. Mm. Bizarrely characteristic of his Lions <laughs> short career so far. Misses on the weekend. Um, but I, I just feel like coming up against Frio and Alex Pierce as their captain. You know, gun key defender, bit out of form, but still a gun key defender. And, and mental is their other main gun key defender? don't know if you'll be able to think oh, of this mate, on the geez. spot as well. What no, have no. I done to you? What an awful thing to do. We'll get <laughs> schmooky back. Yep. Um, but I know they've, they've got a couple of really strong key defenders who so I think will um, do pretty well on Danaher and Hipwood. I think there will be a, a significant lockdown on Charlie Cameron after what he's shown in recent weeks. And I think Jack Gunston's going to be the beneficiary. And I think he's going to stand up and kick five goals.
1: Well, clearly Brisbane's going to win by about a dozen goals here because <laughs> I think Link McCarthy's going to have the breakout day.
0: <laughs> this is the second time you've gone Link this, this season. I, know, I think am like, come time, Link. on,
1: Link. <laughs> I was thinking five goals for Link. Yeah. So, clearly, if we're both right, Brisbane's going to win by landslide. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see what now, happens look, there.
0: But, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe Brisbane wins 60 to 56 and all of our goals are kicked by uh, Link and, and Yeah, yeah,
1: maybe. That's right. Link, I feel like... Li- I, I look at Link playing at the moment and I think, oh, I reckon he's getting frustrated because he's actually done a lot of good things in the last couple of weeks. I feel like his defensive intensity has gone up about three levels in the past couple of weeks. Mm. He's always there. He's halving contests. He's making things happen, but he's not kicking goals. I reckon it'd just be gnawing away at him a little bit. Yes. <laughs> but I, I genuinely think his footy's actually been pretty good the past couple of weeks. I thought his first three or four were pretty average, mm. but good footy the past couple of weeks without some rewards. I think the rewards are going to come this weekend. And similar to you, I think it's because of the focus on the other guys. Yeah. I just And I just even think that whether it's Gunston's defender or hopefully for my sake, it's Link's defender, are just rolling off and keeping half an eye on Charlie or Joe Danaher as well and thinking, gee, I I better go and peel off and give my mate a hand here. So Mm. we'll see. I think we're thinking along the same lines in in terms of players taking advantage of... um, a bit of hypersensitivity towards Charlie Cameron and Joe Danaher, but we'll see what happens. I reckon Link's going to kick five and you reckon yeah, Jack Gunson's going to kick five. So see what, happens. what an exciting it's afternoon. At well, well.
0: The Ford line. This is the great thing about the, as we now know, um, oh crap, I've forgotten the name of the Greek god again, Mike. What's that? Hydra. I, Hydra. Thank you. I almost went Medusa again. I've forgotten. <laughs> this was literally 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I have the memory of a goldfish. That is outrageous. <laughs> Hydra. This is the great thing about the Hydra that is the uh, Brisbane Lions forward line is, um, you know, we, there's always that exciting who's going to pop up. I mean, last time we were at the Gabba, it was Camarina, so, mm. um And it is interesting just as a slight quirk to the Lions being four and two with only two home games to, to date. Mm. It um, Not a bad start in hindsight after all of the panic and fear that we did have. It looks pretty good um, on paper now. And the dogs getting better and better too, which is uh, probably justifying Chris Fagan's thoughts that... Five, Eggs
1: is the one with a head wobble now. Oh, I think he
0: is. <laughs> just, and, but I, I mean, I think I said that at the time after that game that I think in the long run, the Dogs will be top four and that uh, a couple of goals lost to them in Melbourne won't look too bad. I think we were all just still a bit, firstly, it sounded, oh, I still haven't seen it, but it sounded like a frustrating game to watch and also the memories of round one were vivid as well. So, yep. but, but in hindsight, that really doesn't look too bad at all.
1: No, it doesn't at the moment. I had the dogs around fourth or fifth at the start of the season, but the first month I was still even after they beat Brisbane, I was still yeah, unsure. Yeah. And Fags does like to do that. He's very complimentary to the opposition, you know, win or lose. Or before the match or after the match. He's so complimentary yes. to the opposition. It's yes. almost like an ethics thing for him. He doesn't want to offend anyone or but I thought, gee, and he's he's right to say, well, you know, they're a pretty good team, the dogs. Like they're they're not going to be the worst team we play this year. And and I guess he's, he's looking pretty good at the moment. They've played good footy since. Mm. Well, they played Fremantle last weekend and now Brisbane gets to play Fremantle. So yeah. we'll get a bit of a form guide on just how good the dogs are going point, after br- after Brisbane's played for you.
0: Very good point. A couple of points before we wrap up and a quick question as well, Mike. By the way, we still have to name our cocktails for the uh, the Royal oh, event next okay. week. So that's a job for next week's podcast. Yep, we'll announce them next week. Uh, I'll go to the text from Dom Ambrosio. So uh, I had a bit of a sleep in Sunday morning. I was up late uh, with some friends Saturday night. Woke up Sunday morning a bit bleary-eyed. Check my phone and I see a text is there from Dom Ambrosio. And, and Dom and I, and I need to be clear, we've not texted back and forth before. I have his number from when we've called him to be on the podcast once or twice, I guess. But initially, I'm sort of scratching my eyes going, hey, what? Am I reading this correctly? Why is the Lions list manager texted me on a Sunday morning? Thinking, you know, what, have I said something wrong? Does he want to give <laughs> me like the exclusive on something? What's going on? No, none of those things. For the second time this season, first was someone on Instagram. Now Dom Ambrosio, we're being sent Mike Whiting lookalikes. <laughs> now, <laughs> now this is—I think this is a new segment. I've got a name for it as well. Uh, Looks like Mike. I thought it was a pretty good one. <laughs> That's, um, the, the name's a, funny. The other option is go fish. Uh, <laughs> I mean, take your pick which one you prefer. Go fish has to be a segment in one, one way or another. But the text from Dom Ambrosio that came through on uh, on Sunday morning is. Random Sunday morning text, but is Josh Clayton posing next to a statue of fish here? It's a photo of Josh Clayton on holiday somewhere, and it, I, this is clearly a famous soccer player. Do you know who it is? I don't know who that is. I'm not no. as up-to-date with soccer as I should be. I'm looking at it going, that looks like a very famous soccer player, but I just don't know who that is. So you, do you have any hint there?
1: It's a very ordinary-looking Lionel Messi, perhaps. I, I thought it
0: could have been Messi. <laughs> That's, if so, it's not a great statue.
1: no. But, but anyway, hey, if he think if Dom thinks I look like or Messi, <laughs> giddy up.
0: Well, then I go back to Dom and say, "This is brilliant," and then try to say, "Hey, do you want to come on the Raw Deal and talk list management?" <laughs> no reply, since then. <laughs> yep. That was the that was the chat in a nutshell with. <laughs> The one time I'll ever get a text from list manager Dom Ambrosio <laughs> is a lookalike of you and then I'll never hear from him again.
1: As they say, Dom, you've got to shoot your shot, mate. So <laughs> no,
0: gave, it a, <laughs> gave it a red hot crack. Unfortunately,
1: so, it was an air ball, but anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, if you do have a lookalike for Mike Whiting, feel free to send that through. Uh, we'll do our looks like Mike segment uh, going forward. Cause, um, I think we've had so what a, a bit of a shoddy, messy statue yeah. and then the character from a Disney movie are the two we've had so far. <laughs> That's so. Right. It's all happening on the raw deal at the moment. Um, and uh, we did get a bunch of people tweet this through, and I think it was Cameron Atfield in the Brisbane Times yeah, ran yep. the story like I used to
1: work with Cameron many years ago. Did you? I did. At Quest Newspapers, yeah. Good fella. Oh,
0: there we go. He's a big soccer fan, isn't he? He is. I've big, seen him on Twitter campaigning at times. Big,
1: big fan of the, the world game.
0: He, well, he's campaigned heavily against the idea of the RNA development or something, saying, why should AFL get a second great stadium? Yeah. In the-
1: <laughs> got, yeah. a, got a campaign for your well, sports. Well, I get
0: it. And he, I think he's passionate at Perry Park. Uh, mm. Would be a great boutique uh, ground yep. for for soccer for football, but you know we, we're not here to make that case. Nah. You can do that yourself, Cameron. Yep. <laughs> but um. But I will say he he was one who reported this uh, Freedom of Information Act got the uh, the plans that have been put in place for a potential redevelopment of CUSAC uh, to be the Lions' temporary home ground while the Gabba is being redeveloped. Now, for those who haven't seen this story, maybe for our interstate listeners, a bit of a background on QSAC um, uh it's a pretty large stadium that's hosted a lot of gigs over the years. It was the Commonwealth Games' main stadium in the 80s. Um, the Broncos then played there for a bunch of years while Suncorp was being redone. Uh, and lately it's kind of just sat in the suburbs of Brisbane. It's probably about 15-ish, 20 minutes uh, out of the city. It was briefly looked at um, as one of the options for the Lions home uh, training deck before Springfield was settled on. Um, but but obviously, I mean, we're, we're talking Mount Gravatt or Nathan, which is yeah. uh, not far from the city. It's, not, I mean,
1: it's 10 kilometres, I think. It's not yeah, far. It's not a
0: long way Straight out. Straight down the freeway. Um, so relatively convenient to get to in some ways. Um, a bit of an odd one for a stadium in that, these days is largely used for school track and field meets and things like that and the occasional, um, you know, big concert. Uh, I remember when I was a kid actually because I grew up in Wishart, the neighbouring suburb, and I two memories of CUSAC. One is that uh, if the wind was blowing the right way and I was watching a Broncos Friday night game, they score a try and I mute the TV, I could hear the celebratory music (laughs) drifting on the breeze. (laughs) And the other memory is when U2 played there yep. when I was a kid. I remember dad um, Dad didn't take me to the gig because you know, it wasn't that generous, but he did take me up one of the nearby Macrovat streets <laughs> and uh, we could hear um, where the streets have no name uh, up on one of those Macrovat hills. So uh, those are my two memories of CUSAC. I don't think I ever went to a, an actual rugby league game there. I'm guessing you probably would have though, Mike.
1: I did. I went to many rugby league games there. I did go to that U2 concert. I've you? been you to a, I've been to a Pearl Jam concert there. Wow. Uh, I've been to uh, But more importantly... Dearer to my heart, Dom. Despite the packed crowds of those <laughs> events I went to, I've been to many, many, many athletics events there, and sure. I've run a couple of the best races of my life there. So fond memories for me. But yeah, it's a, it's, um, it is a white elephant. I know that's the easy yeah. throwaway line, but it is like it's a rarely used athletics venue. It, I think that I'm sure the. Um, capacities in cams article but it it, certainly for the broncos era it was around fifty thousand or in the low low 50s it's just a big old stadium that hardly gets used now but there's a lot of infrastructure being built in to the complex there yes um queensland academy of sport is based there nissan arena yep nissan arena so queensland netball um Brisbane Bullets, like there's mm. a whole precinct of stuff there that's you know re- quite modern. I mean though that arena is quite modern. A lot of stuff built in. Um, I'd say, uh, do you call it underneath the track? I guess the the, the training administration facility that adjoins the track yep. is reasonably modern. Um, but there's a lot of work to do. Massive, clearly a lot cheaper than building from scratch. And when it's only going to be a quote unquote temporary solution for the line, so. We've discussed it on our show here many mm. times. Obviously, it's a, for convenience wise. I can see why it's a an appealing option. Or
0: it's certainly um, better than the Gold Coast or Springfield in would, most
1: ways. Absolutely, I think it's clear that this is. Well, we've got the. We're, any Lions fan that listens to this would have the same ranking order as us, I think.
0: I think that's RNA is obviously the standout, yep. then Cusack, yep. then probably Springfield, then the Gold Coast. Totally, I think yep. that is the order that most fans see things in. I mean, some of the concern around Cusack is the the transport links, um, probably it, not ideal.
1: I get that, and I, I do understand that. Um, How do you get hey, there? What's I, the best way? I, to get I, I'm a public transport warrior, so anyone yep. that complains about this, I have absolute sympathy i'm sure. unable to drive my eyesight's terrible i can't drive so i catch public transport everywhere there's buses that go straight there mm. the, the 120 the 130 140 i think they all they all take 15 minutes from the city it's very quick straight along the bus way you're out there but i know not everyone's coming from the city i know yes, there's people yes. that live on the north side and a lot of our listeners are north side residents and they're concerned that hey there's something else am i going to springfield am i going to wishart their mm-hmm. long commutes are I get it. Like, I spend most of my life traveling on trains and buses and whatever. So,
0: Nathan, by the way, not Wishart. Don't, don't. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I don't think sorry. there's a stadium in Wishart. <laughs> sorry, I got. You could go to the Mindona Street Park where I used to play Nathan. touch footy growing up.
1: <laughs> I've only been to Cusack <laughs> about 300 times, 400, 500 <laughs> times in my life, and I've got the suburb wrong. So, um, but yeah, I get it. There's no train station right next to it. You're Ooh. You're either catching a bus. Yes. Or you're parking who knows where because there's yeah. only so much car parking. At any stadium, there's only so much car parking. It is
0: right near next to Griffith Uni, which has quite a large capacity for car parking. You um, could, and you
1: can walk 10 or 15 minutes from... Griffith Uni and walk to the stadium. Yeah, and yeah, there's a Griffith fun. bus
0: stop on the the busway, which could yep. be an option. But I do think Griffith Uni has capacity, you know, during a, a uni day to have a hell of a lot of car parks. Absolutely. I mean, getting out of Griffith might be an absolute nightmare yep. post game. Um, but that that'd be an option. And and it's also worth mentioning the road network around there has been significantly upgraded since the 90s. So they put that's in the uh, the underpass, and that's changed things quite a
1: bit. Totally. So. And it's also the same with the buses. The busway has yep. just opened things up so much. You're there so quickly. Yes. Um, yeah. From the city and. Most suburbs connect to the city via pretty quick bus routes now, or yes. trains, and the bus from the city out there. So anyway, so. we're we're jumping way ahead here. Well, and and one thing mentioning
0: f- is that one thing very much worth mentioning is is what Cameron Atfield's got on here is just that this has these plans have been lodged. Yeah. So we there's no news. We no. already knew that. Yep. We already knew there had been plans lodged. This is just now we've seen the plans. It's, yep. So, this doesn't mean that, that CUSAC suddenly is the front runner. Um, one of the interesting peculiarities with this is it's government money going either towards CUSAC, a government venue, or RNA, which is a privately owned venue. Mm. So, maybe the government might say, well, if we're going to spend the money, we want the returns for the government. I, I, m- my thinking keeps coming back, though, to after this period of time, what's CUSAC going to be what's used What's it going to get
1: used for? And, and I can't see anything. Legacy item. Right. As that's what they like to call it when it comes to this Olympics, the whole Olympics exactly. build, yeah.
0: Whereas if, if you did it at the RNA, um, you know, that there's so many uses. Obviously the ECCA alone, but the music festivals they do out there, um, you would think it could become – I know they've just redone Border Field, but it could become a, a spot for um, cricket going forward. And there's a whole lot that you could do at the RNA that, that is not as usable at, at CUSAC. Also the Cross River Rail's just about to open as well at, at the RNA. So – I still think the RNA in my mind is obviously the front runner. I did, after this story came out, I spoke to that friend of mine I mentioned in mm. government and he laughed and he said, oh, no, no decisions are being made. Don't worry about that. And he said, he he still said, if I had to put money, it's going to be the RNA. Mm. He, his word to me was the RNA of going really hard for it. They're really keen for it. That's what makes
1: sense. Yes. I mean, the only but, thing that yeah. I
0: did think with this was the RNA when we spoke to Jake was looking at an early 20,000s capacity. Mm. This could fit an extra 10 or so thousand yep. in. And, and that might in the end be what pushes it to QSAC. If it goes to QSAC, I think it will be because of the capacity. I think that will end up being the the deciding factor that they might say, you know, we could actually make that we could fit all the lines members in, we could do finals here. Whereas the RNA is going to be capped at about 21, 22,000.
1: Yep. So it's an interesting, I mean, I'm not a numbers man, but if there's normally 30 or 35,000 people wanting to get to the GABA, mm. I could, that's <laughs> Fans won't want to hear this. I could see, I could see the ticket prices going up quite substantially if yeah, uh, you know supply and demand and whatever. But anyway, again, we're jumping way way down the track here. But yeah, I'm with you. It's mm. that would make the most logical sense for most parties involved. Um, you know, RNA being the preferred option and probably being the slight front runner. But it's interesting seeing QSAC, I guess, put out into the public a bit more now and yep. plans out on show for us all to have a look at and. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, my preference, I'm with you. RNA. Right? Hopefully, RNA.
0: Although, I'll, I'll have to go look at Wishart Stadiums now, see if they can do something. Yes. Yeah. Go <laughs> and have a look at Wishart. Yes. Go and have a look. Something across Balimba Creek. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mate, I'd love to see. Uh, yeah, across Belimba Creek, yeah. I'd love to see 30,000 people at Nathan watching athletics events in the future. That'd <laughs> wow. be amazing. <laughs> there
0: we go. There's a possibility. Uh, all right, well, we'll park that, Mike. And just as we are, Dear wrap Up, let's get to a. Uh, uh, well, we have just got the one question, but we're going to play the music anyway. You can send questions anytime through to us. Uh, Our Patreon people obviously get first priority into that. And we haven't plugged that for a while. If you actually do want to join our Patreon community... Uh, Search for The Raw Deal on Patreon. $5 a month gets you into the gold tier. That's early access to the podcast and events that we're running like next Friday night. Uh, That also obviously gets you a chance to ask questions and connect with the community. $10 a month gets you into the Platinum Group, which is our Facebook group um, where there's uh, often ongoing conversations, questions. You often find out about the guests that's coming up and a chance to ask them questions as well. So head to The Raw Deal on Patreon if you'd like to jump into that community. And uh, it is one of our patrons, sam this week who jumps in with a pretty logistical question mike that you might just be able to say no don't know anything move on and we can wrap things up (laughs) sorry sam but sam says i'm just wondering when the next uh next slot of the fixture times will be released one of my favorite bands is touring but it's the same weekend we play geelong and i don't want to miss either event uh now we have the fixture up until what round is it up to? 15 so the the remaining slot of fixtures i mean what are we we're coming into round seven now do you have any sense on when this might drop, or are you totally in the
1: dark? Totally in the dark, but as to pinch a word or a line from one of my other colleagues at AFL.com, Damien Barrett, yep. we might park this. Okay. And see if I can find something out. Yep. Um, or or a, a see it, at least find out when the times are expected to be dropped because we, we wouldn't be getting too far away now. No, it I mean, has that's, to be soon. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I, we've I, only got eight or nine weeks. To that so stage and
0: last season they released them in blocks, so you got like yes. three weeks at a time yep. after yep. the first chunk of it. And I did find out that the final blocks, around so 20 to 22, was the 21st of June last year that they announced that. So, you'd think, because obviously we're talking not around 20, we're talking around 16. Mm. Um, a month earlier. You, you know, you, you would think because of that uh, that they're probably going to want to get that at least a month earlier, which so, would be I mean, certainly, be, but, but, certainly
1: before the buys, which yeah. start in about... I think, started around round 11 or around 12, that that buy period when um, teams have a rolling buy over the space of three or four weeks. So, yeah, you'd think in the next three to four weeks.
0: But that'd be all... That's what i have seen, Travis Ald's decisions as the uh, fixturing guy. Did you ever have much to do with Travis when he was CEO at the Suns?
1: I did have a little bit to do with him. Is
0: his number in your phone? Good question. Have a look. Let me know if Because Tra- I'm thinking maybe we could just... I don't, I don't
1: think it would be. He was pretty... Um, he was a bit cagey, was he,
0: Travis? A bit private.
1: He was. And whenever I interviewed him, I just did it in person, actually.
0: Yeah, okay. Because uh, here's what I'm thinking, is if you had Travis Ald's number in there... We- oh, there we go.
1: I do. Oh, my goodness. Go. All right. So, Mike has
0: Travis Ald's <laughs> number. Sam, if you send a message through of the date that you don't want the Geelong game, Michael pass it on to Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I just, I just hey, realized Trav, there's, there's. If you
0: cannot schedule Lions Geelong for the Friday yep, night, Sam wants amazing. to go to a gig. That'd be awesome. Yep. And that's the silver <laughs> service. Sorry, the platinum service you get as a patron is, supporter. Yep. Look, we we it, hamper the fixture
1: for you. I reckon Travis All might treat my text the way Dom Ambrosio treated yours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I reckon that's a reasonable chance.
1: He'd probably forget me, I reckon, Travis Hall, <laughs> to be fair. I, yeah. I,
0: you know I worked at Metricon that first year. I've told yeah, you this, haven't I? Yeah. I remember I like um, yeah, the, when I was there, they gave us the – was just casual stuff. They gave us the tour of the venue and Travis Ald came and spoke to all of us and <laughs> I remember him standing there still vividly saying, in the next five years we'll be standing here in this stadium holding up the premiership cup." <laughs> Didn't quite work out like that, Travis, Good. but hey, maybe the next five. We'll see how we go. Uh, that is all we got time for on the podcast today. Patreon people will see you Thursday night for a Teams chat. Everyone else will catch you next week as we look ahead to this Carlton game. Enjoy your footy back at the Gabba this weekend.